Hey folks, my name is Jason Spies and I travel across these great states talking to small business owners, CEOs, policymakers, musicians and mentors about making money, giving back and balancing life. I find out how they prioritize professional and personal time while still making money. Yes indeed, our guests are real heavyweights in understanding business and life. So get ready to relax, learn a little bit, and get a cup of coffee ready because my name is Jason Spies and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Sitting on a million, sitting on it every day. Can't make no money giving your stuff away. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Welcome to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation this week on Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Now, Coffee and Capitalism Radio brings you exclusive interviews and distinct content from leaders who drive our economy. From CEOs to small business owners to mentors, Coffee and Capitalism is a leader in innovation, ideas, and inspiration. Coffee and Capitalism is all about making money and giving back, learning the fine art of balancing the work life, the family life, all while prioritizing your time. We like to learn how to live life and make money. Now let me tell you about today's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio. We talk with Kayla Sprayberry from Hub Funding Solutions about investing in different areas. Of course, the economy is what it is, and so she's going to tell us a little bit about what the latest loans and what the latest strategies are when it comes to funding solutions here. Kayla Sprayberry in just a moment. Then we talk a little UAS with Joe Dancy. He's with the University of Oklahoma College of Law. And then Senate-elect and current U.S. Congressman Kevin Kramer talks about the transition from the Senate to the U.S. House. Excuse me, from the U.S. House to the Senate. Had it backwards there for a moment. He's a current U.S. Congressman, and he's uh, been elected to the U.S. Senate, so he talks a little bit about that. And then Small Business USA, a little bit later on in the program, Luke Shilhab with Grind Time Mulching. Great program lined up for you today. we got a little bit of politics, a little bit of uh, mulching, a little bit of UAS, and a little bit of investing. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Kayla Sprayberry with Hub Funding Solutions. That I don't know. To me, that's what I saw is that it's more of an industry, and it sounds like that was one of the trends there if you said that uh, you know, they're looking for the stability and slow growth. So that was one of the discussions, huh? 
Absolutely. You know, everybody wants the big, fast paydays. But what we learned in the last uh, boom and bust when I went through that was that payouts were so high. You know, we had this huge oil, we had these huge payouts. I mean, the daily rates on uh, on labor and rentals was huge. But at the same time, when it went down, it went down hard and fast. And nobody could make that work. You know, and so um, overhead was really killing people. So that's one thing that the stability provides. It provides, you know, business owners with a way to run their company and be able to gauge things on a better basis than just, oh, yeah, we're looking at, you know, it's just going to go up, up, up. We, we want to see steady. And steady is going to give the predictability to help a business grow because the business needs to grow steadily to really hit what it wants to, you know, keep everything, um, you know, transitioning well and keep it balanced. You know, you t- you mentioned overhead, and I was going to throw out there, because I usually do, you know, the, during the big heyday, uh, the big $100 oil days, that sort of things, um, you know, we there was kind of a little bit of a warning for people that never really experienced the oil and gas industry in the past to, you know, d- d- don't go put that 16 fleet expansion on quite yet. Um, don't, you know, overspend uh, your overhead right now because, you know, you're not sure what's going to happen. And, you know, when you think about the election coming up and and um, just kind of some of the political things that's happening over in the Middle East, and I think of the tariffs and, and some of these uh, steel prices and increases, that can kind of play into this a little bit. So what you're talking about with overhead is really, uh, in my opinion, just like it was before when prices dropped, people really do need to examine where they've spent their money, especially right now, don't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the company's overhead will either make them or break them. And, um, you know, we have a lot of things that play into that. Uh, it's your equipment, uh, your uh, labor, your fuel, your insurance, all of these things play a part. And a lot of people think, oh, yeah, I'll just pick up another truck. I'll just go buy it. Well, have they really examined, A, can you get a man to drive that truck? B, are you going to be able to afford the increase in insurance that you're going to be having? And C, what about that payment? Even if you buy it at cash, you're still going to have some things that come out from that. Cash is not always key in this game. You know, there is a way to uh, wax and wing that to where it's really to the benefit. Um, you know, and let's talk about fuel. You know, in most cases, fuel is a big part of overhead. And, um, you know, Tim's thought was that fuel will go down before Christmas. And if there's no shakeup politically after the election, the status quo will continue. And that's really what we want to see. You know, so it's it's really taking it all into account to make sure that they're getting the most of their dollar and taking every dollar that's coming in and accounting for that. And that's something that we like to help our clients with, is to really see the big picture so that they can put the right amount of, you know, new uh, labor into play and new equipment into play. To listen to the full-length interview with Kayla Sprayberry with Hub Funding Solutions or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism Features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. 
All of our social media links are available at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. 350,000 followers within our network, and we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, share, and do all that fun social media stuff. That's thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Got a great idea for this holiday season. The Crude Life t-shirts are now for shale. Four different designs to choose from. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now for shale link. That's thecrudelife.com. Become an energy enthusiast today and start living the crude life. The Crude Life t-shirts now for shale. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we talk with Joe Dancy with the Oil and Gas Natural Resources and Energy Center at the University of Oklahoma College of Law. Do you know, is, is your state getting involved through the universities on the, uh, on the uh, software side? I'm really not familiar. Okay. I'm probably more familiar with North Dakota than I'm Oklahoma, unfortunately, uh, on your radiation and your drone software, it's not going to, it's just mainly to trade articles, et cetera. It's, uh, um, you guys are really cutting edge, which is pretty exciting. To, to, when it comes to you to find a nice niche like that, you know, you can live anywhere and, and uh, you know, make a really viable product that you know, can be used nationally or globally. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Like you say, security is another big issue with drones. But I, I tell you one thing that, Actually, when I spoke um, last week, I had mentioned to the students, and, and, you know, security-wise, both, both preventing problems, you know, whether you're protecting a, a well or a well site, or, you know, even if you're, you know, even agriculture, um, part of the Oklahoma tech program is, is uh, testing out the use of, secure, of drones for security and agricultural operations where you have, you know, you have a hundred cows in the field and make sure they don't disappear at night. Uh, but one of the, one of the pressing issues that is, is going to, you know, come up on the other hand with regard to security is that drones are very easy to fly and to operate. And all you need 
you know, as someone with a malicious intent, and they can easily, you know, take a drone and they, you know, can fly into somebody's, um, you know, football stadium, baseball stadium, political rally, et cetera. And that costs money. You can't, you can't get out, you know, your machine gun and start shooting at them because they're, they're tough. They're small and they're tough to hit. They're, they're very difficult. Apparently you can jam the, the, um, signals, um, but, uh, it does create, it does create additional risks that, that really bother me. And I know there's a market there and I'm sure the software people up in North Dakota and elsewhere as well as I've, I've seen, um, I see equipment, Jason, where they actually, if there's a, a rogue drone, they can, they go after it and they shoot with a net and the net gets caught in the propellers and you take down the rogue drone, but, um, but that means that, you know, you have to get your drone, you have to you know, check it, you gotta catch it, yeah. So I don't know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, and it's an exciting area. There's a whole bunch of regulations and laws that really haven't caught up with drones. <clears throat> For example, you know, the question is, you guys up there with, with the radiation, it's pretty much well accepted if you're FAA regulated and you're over 500 feet and you, I fly over your house, and you see me, it's not a trespass. Now, if I get a drone and it's flying over at 200 feet, is that a trespass? But, you know, what about 100 feet? What if I you know, get it down to 10 feet and I'm looking into the window? It's, uh, there's a, the general concept is that the surface owner owns uh, from the surface to, uh, to the heavens. And so, you know, historically, uh, the courts have had real difficulties because they, even with airplanes, they were like, gee, you know, there's certain exceptions, because in the past, there's cases even where people, if I shot a cannonball across your surface, you could see me, and the court said, that's a trespass, because I was shooting cannonballs, but the, the, for airplanes, because of the social utility, they said, you know, it's FAA regulated, and above 500 feet, it's pretty much, uh, there's no trespass there, it's just a, I guess, a social inconvenience is the way the law puts it. But drone, all that stuff on the drone, Australia has not been litigated. The other interesting thing on drones, and you know this, the New York regulators use drones to go out and try to find some old unplugged wellbores that had been abandoned. And they got landowner permission. They went out a month later, and the landowner forgot to gave permission. And the landowner sees the drone flying over the property, pulls out a gun, and actually hits it and, and knocks the drone out of the sky. And, uh, uh, you know, the question is, you know, who, who's liable? And I, there's, there's one case that's come to, to bear on that. And it wasn't the New York case, but it was very similar. And, uh, actually the drone owner sued the land, the guy who shot him out of the air and claimed that, hey, look, I have an FAA license. I was abiding by FAA guidelines. I was flying, you know, an FAA restricted airspace. And you shot out, you know, my $2,000 drone, I want compensation for it. And unfortunately, the court didn't have jurisdiction, so they, they threw it out, so we don't know the answer to that one. But it is, it is a, it is an interesting, uh, balance of rights between the surface owner and the drone owner. Well, it's a little bit of the Wild West, really. I mean, you're ironing out a lot of these different things. And, you know, I, I see a day where either, um, Airspace is going to have to be defined, air rights, because you bring up a good point as far as, is it 100 feet? Is it 200 feet? Is it 500 feet? 
Well, we, we live in a day and age where there's so much now. And, and air rights and airspace is not a new thing. You get near an airport and, boy, air, air, air rights come up a lot. Um, so I, I see where that could be a national conversation, at least within, you know, the different deals. You know, well, you got mineral rights, you got surface rights, air rights are not uncommon. And then um, I was going to ask you this question because, like I said, I've been covering drones since about 2006, 2007. And about five years ago, I really started asking guests this question when it came to UAS, more or less because I do think there needs to be a conversation about this, which is, if you're going to operate a drone, should you have to take some sort of licensing test that not only demonstrates that you know how to operate a drone, but also you understand the social implications behind it? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And that, that's an excellent question. I tell you what, the, uh, under the, the FAA regulations that they just issued, um, you are, if it's a commercial operation, you're required to get a drone license, and it requires you to be at least 16 years of age. You have to pass a TSA security clearance. You have to speak right and be able to interpret English, uh, you know, really well. You know, that being said, you know, I, in my trips out to the oil field, you know, talking to the oil companies, that they get all excited and they go, oh, yeah, we've got a drone, and we're, you know, we're operating, we're taking pictures, and... And then I, you know, I asked them, are you licensed? And, oh, no, we don't, you know, we're not doing commercial activity. You know, because if you, if you're just a hobbyist, the way the, the regulations, if, if you and I just go out for the fun of it and fly, you don't need a license. You don't have to take the test. But if it's commercial, and of course we tell these companies, if you're working for a company and you're taking these for corporate purposes, it's, you know, you, the definition is a little bit, not as clear as it should be, but I think it, I, I pretty much, and others have told me, it's pretty much, if you're an oil company or any type of company, you need to get your license. There's nothing else, they said, if you had an accident and you didn't have a license, it's sort of like having a car and having an accident don't have a license. I mean, the first thing they're going to say is, you know, a guy's negligent, he didn't take the license, he didn't know the basic rules of the road, because there are rules of the road. They're, you are under an obligation to avoid um, you know, air traffic, uh, number one. <laughs> number two, you're required to you know, keep your, keep your um, if you, you can only operate during daylight hours, you have to keep the machine under 400 feet up above the, if you go over a 10-story building, it has to be, you know, to be 400 feet above the 10-story building, but once you get back to flat ground, it has to be 400 feet. Without an exception, you, you can ask for exceptions, and they're commonly ground, granted. You have to be more than five miles from the airport. And so, uh, uh, and again, from what I've been told, and of course, we've asked for exceptions for some of our, and being a university, I don't know whether the FAA is more lenient with us or not, but if I was just an individual writing in and, and wanted to fly, play at twilight to take pictures of the sunset or something, I'm not quite sure. I think they'll probably all be granted equally, but I'm not quite sure how the FAA decides um, whether to grant those exceptions or not. But you're exactly right. They hunt. As far as the social impact, they really don't. Um, they, they test you on your basic knowledge. It's almost like getting um, a airline uh, you know, pilot's license. You have a ground test, 
To listen to the full-length interview with Joe Danzi with the University of Oklahoma College of Law or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter. All those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. 350,000 followers within our social media audience, our network, if you will. Check out our social media links at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm smoking, I'm joking with the people that I know. I'm thinking, I'm drinking, I'm Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Speece. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Jason Speece is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Got a great idea for this holiday season. The Crude Life t-shirts are now for shale. Four different designs to choose from. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now for shale link. That's thecrudelife.com. Become an energy enthusiast today and start living the crude life. The Crude Life t-shirts now for shale. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Senate-elect and current U.S. Congressman Kevin Kramer. Kevin Kramer. And, of course, this is Congressman Kevin Kramer, soon to be Senator Kevin Kramer. Just um, when does that kick in, I guess? I know it's 2019, but uh, when does that officially kick in? Well, it's interesting, Jason. So I've already got an ID that says United States Senator, <laughs> and it says through uh, you know, 2024, I guess. And the uh, I think they, they refer to you now as Senator-elect when you're in Washington. Although I am still a congressman, so when I'm you know when I'm on the House side of the Capitol, uh, whether it's for votes or or uh, you know meeting or something, when I'm congressman, and when I'm over at the Senate side of the Capitol for orientation or in you know a, a staffing role, for example, I already have a, a transition office in, in the Senate side of the, the Capitol complex. I have it staffed, uh, and so that transition office is the office of Senator-elect Kevin Kramer. So the way to keep it really simple is the way I've always liked it, and that is I'm Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, of course. I, I've known you for quite a long time. Where that's I've known you back when you were Kevin and Mr. Kramer and Public Service Commissioner and 
Uh, tourism, it was, too. Works for all of them. You were <laughs> tourism for a while, weren't you? The, the best job in the world, the most fun I've ever had at work, was as North Dakota's tourism director. Oh, I could imagine. That's when uh, North Dakota was a blank spot on uh, America's consciousness. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, loved it. Well, and thank you for reminding me, Senate elect, because that that would be the proper term. But then again, you are a U.S. congressman, so we'll just we'll maybe interchange him here. Um, sure. We we did want to um, ask you eventually about the transition. Kind of, you know, you you kind of went over it briefly, but just kind of how that that. Well, let's start with that the transitioning. You know, you're going from the House to the Senate. You know, we just had a whole bunch of uh, uh, new elections that happened, elections, some positions that got filled. What happens over the next six months during the transitional part, from, for you personally, but also for industry? Yeah, boy, it's a really good question because it's, it's an important thing that happens. The Senate transition is very different than the House does. The, the 435 members of the House of Representatives uh, right now are leaving their offices. In fact, my office has to be um, completely clear by, uh, I think it's November 28th, so next week. Um, some members are already leaving their offices. And that what happens is that they move into cubicles in the basement of, uh, of a couple of the office buildings while the maintenance staff prepares the offices for the next member, and the next member moves in basically a, a day or two before they are sworn in, which is January 3rd. The Senate is different. The Senate, um, once you're once you're certified, um, and that you know happened last week for me, and, and uh, really actually before that, but once once it's clear, you go to orientation, and then um, we get a transition office that will serve as our office not only during the transition to the Senate, but for the first three or four months of service in the Senate, because the senators don't leave their offices until their last day as a senator. So January 2nd, January 3rd is when the uh, retiring senators will leave their offices and then they don't open up until then. And then, of course, the maintenance crews go in and they paint and, and clean and do whatever mm-hmm. else needs to be done for maintenance purposes. And then there's a sort of a chain reaction. And that means people move into the offices that are available. Just this is an example to sort of walk through it. Orrin Hatch, who is like, you know, the, the president or chairman of the Senate, he's I think the second longest serving senator. He's been in his office a long time, which means he's got a very good, uh, prestigious office probably with a lot of room and a nice view and probably a couple of working fireplaces. Who knows? But um, his office will be you know, a prize for somebody. And when somebody goes to the office, that opens up their office and, and on down the line. So it takes a while for senators, new senators, to get into their permanent offices. So we, we operate in a very nice uh, temporary office in the basement of the Dirksen building is where my office will be. Uh, interestingly, I've already voted for the leadership team. We did that last week as a, as a caucus for next year's conference or next year's uh, Congress. Uh, I've already, you know, sat through several policy luncheons with uh, Republican members of the Senate. I've had, you know, I've had my say on a couple of things, and I've uh, gotten to know my colleagues. Uh, so, so really, the transition has already begun in earnest. I also have two full-time Senate staffers that are on board. Um, my chief of staff, Mark Duman, who's my chief of staff in the House, is also going to be my chief of staff in the Senate. He's already transitioned, so he's already a an employee of the Senate in the office of the, of the senator-elect from North Dakota. Uh, same with um, 
Rachel Beaning, who was my scheduler and office manager, she will do the same work for me. She's going to be administrative director, actually, in the Senate. She's already on full-time as a Senate staffer in the office of Senator-elect Kramer. And so it's, it's a very different process than the House is. Uh, the, the, uh, the Senate just takes its time, as we know. <laughs> Yeah, I'd imagine you'd have quite an advantage going from the House to the Senate as opposed to somebody, you know, just getting elected from, say, state government. I mean, not only do your movers have less to move from office to right. office, but uh, you're bringing a lot of those those contacts with you. Um, you know, have you thought about that, you know, that you're going to have a pretty good advantage over a lot of the other senators? You know, Jason, it's a really good point and a good observation, and it is a tremendous advantage for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is years of service in the House counts toward your seniority in the Senate. To put a more uh, clear illustration on that, um, the two there are, let's see, three, four House members that were elected to the Senate. So there are eight freshmen, four of us serve in the House. I have seniority over two of them, but Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee has been in the House 16 years, so she has the most seniority. I have second most seniority. But here's what's really interesting. Of the other four, one's in a, a former Attorney General, actually the Attorney General of Missouri, Josh Hawley, he comes in with no seniority. Uh, Mike Braun, a businessman from Indiana, comes in with no seniority. Um, and then we have two governors, Rick Scott, who has, I think, eight years of seniority uh, as a governor, because gubernatorial service does count, but not until after um, congressional seniority. So Rick Scott will come in behind me in seniority, and after him will be Mitt Romney, who doesn't have uh, quite eight years of service as governor, but he was governor of Massachusetts, and so he comes in with the fourth most seniority. So, so yes, service in the House matters there. The other real advantage is bringing the talent with me. Um, while not every member of my House staff may, will, will likely work for me, well, we know not everyone will in the Senate, but um, I think most of them are applying for jobs in the Senate. That, that they're, most of them are very talented, and I'm honored that they work for me. I think they're a big reason why I've been successful, and I uh, have a running head start by having people who are both from North Dakota and familiar with North Dakota, as well as familiar with Congress and the issues. Um, but you have... 45 to 50 employees in the Senate, whereas in the House you have about 15 employees. So it's you know three times as many people. Uh, it's a lot more to manage, but you also get a lot more very specific expertise. But the other advantage, Jason, that you know might be lost on some people, but it's just knowing your way around the buildings. And it's a very big complex. It's uh, it's a very uh, you know it's it's a very old complex, starting with the oldest part of the, the Capitol, of course, and that's got uh, basements and sub-basements and, and all these uh, nooks and crannies and routes of how to get around safely, and, and uh, so uh, there's a lot of advantages, no question about it, to, to knowing your way around the building, knowing your way around the town, and frankly, knowing the people. To listen to the full-length interview with U.S. Congressman and Senate-elect Kevin Kramer, or to listen to other Topping Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Topping Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. 350,000 followers on the Crude Life Media Network social media network, so check us out. Crudelife.com social media links. And my name is Jason Spies. This is Copy and Capitalism Radio Heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Brother Circuit holds the power of the hour And the light switch turns your tongue sour There's no way to explain how the sky 
Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Got a great idea for this holiday season. The Crude Life t-shirts are now for shale. Four different designs to choose from. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now for shale link. That's thecrudelife.com. Become an energy enthusiast today and start living the crude life. The Crude Life t-shirts now for shale. Welcome back to Copying Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Luke Shillab with Grind Time Mulching. Luke Shillab with Grind Time Mulching. Joined today, Luke Shillab, president of Grind Time Mulching. Well, let's start off by uh, giving you a little plug for your business, what it is that you guys do. Describe, uh, you know, your day-to-day operations uh, your, of your company, if you would, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we do a lot of right-of-way clearing, uh, mostly for new construction. We do some on the on the maintenance side on for the pipeline as well, and then we also clear um, several uh, several locations for different drilling contractors. So your your customer would be energy companies as well as construction companies, anybody that needs, I guess, a site prepared for whatever the reason might be. What what name a few of the industries that you've uh, done some work for? Yes, sir. So we do a lot for several different energy companies. On the energy side, we're mostly doing uh, the drilling locations, and then on the on the pipeline side, we're working for uh, pipeline construction contractors, clearing the right of ways. And then that's about eighty percent of our business, and twenty percent is uh, we do commercial clearing as well. 
One of the things that I find interesting about the energy industry is uh, not only the fact that, you know, a roughneck can figure out a new way to make a wrench or a vibrating tube and they become an overnight millionaire. I love that part of the industry. But it's the whole upstream, downstream, salmon stream. You know, it just seems like there's all these new streams that have shot off of oil and gas, whether it be from the technology side with big data, the sensors, the UAS, whatever it might be. It's just the more someone understands the energy industry, they really do see how diverse and vast the industry is. And your business really falls into that category, in my opinion, grind time mulching. Explain exactly, you know, like, like pretend I'm, you know, a CEO of, I'm Harold Ham, Continental Resources, and, and uh, you're, you're going to try to sell me on why your specific niche within the energy industry is going to save me time and money. Does that make sense, Luke? Yes, sir. So, well, on our side, uh, other, other mulching contractors, they mostly only, only run very uh, the, the largest of the mulchers. Um, you know, we, we started out as a small company, and so we still run several smaller units, and we've got, worked our way up all the way into the, you know, the biggest of mulchers. So one way we're really able to save our customers money is we, we put the, you know, we match the size machine with the size of the job. So we don't send something out there that's, you know, way overkill for the job where they're, you know, they're paying top dollar for a big machine for, you know, some smaller right and even on the on the larger spectrum, you know, we're we're a lot smaller company, and so I don't have nearly the near the overhead of you know much larger mulching companies. Um, where it saves them money online is we uh, we actually go in and you know traditionally they they were creating these locations and these pipelines just you know with dozers and excavators, and they were you know just piling up all the brush on the side of the right away side of the location. Uh, a, a, Good chunk of uh, of our business is going in there now and just mulching, mulching the piles that were pushed up from previous contractors and the ranch owners or the property owners. You know they don't they don't want this this mess. They don't want to have to deal with burning the piles and everything. You know especially down in South Texas and West Texas, there's such a chance of, of wildfires down there. You know it's, it's very dangerous to go in there and burn the piles left over from you know previous contractors. So. Definitely going in there and molting it, you're you're left with virtually virtually nothing, and you know all the all the nutrients goes back into the soil. So it's it's very beneficial for the customers to have to listen to the full length interview with Luke Shillab with Grime Time Mulching, or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of our social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. Click on our social media tabs button. Check out our network, 350,000 followers within that network. And be sure to like, subscribe, join, follow, do all that social media stuff at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network.
Giving your stuff away, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market, you can make a million too. Minnie's a crooked woman, diamonds on every hand. Tricking mother for you, everywhere she lands, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do Put your stuff on the market Or you can make a million too Jack will not jump over the candlestick. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. And that concludes this week's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. For a full list of today's guest and interview, visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'll be back next week on this radio station at this time. For a full list of our radio affiliates and other media partners, please visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and from the staff here at Coffee and Capitalism Radio, we're asking you to be happy, make money, and give back. Thanks for joining us this week, folks. Sign on our front porch saying, hot stuff will say, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million, too. got a great idea for this holiday season the crude life t-shirts are now for shale four different designs to choose from visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now for shale link that's thecrudelife.com become an energy enthusiast today and start living the crude life the crude life t-shirts now for shale 
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise.